for most women having children means taking some kind of hit on on career progression but I knew that I didn't want to do that Mm. and I got lucky I met Claire well Claire and I already knew each other but we were able to form our partnership and that meant that I have progressed my career while also having young children. A very warm welcome to the Leaders with Babies podcast. My name is Verena Hefti. I'm the CEO and founder of Leaders Plus, an award-winning social enterprise dedicated to supporting leaders with babies and with young children to continue to progress their careers. All too often, new mums and dads tell me they feel they need to choose between their career aspirations and enjoying their young children. And I just think it shouldn't have to be this way. And it doesn't have to be this way. And that's why I set up a fellowship program for Leaders with Babies, which includes senior leader mentors, career development support, general support with work-life balance and so on. But I realized that actually the role models that we speak to on the program have so much more to offer. And I want a wider group of people to be able to access them than can actually sit in the room during the fellowship program. So that's why I set up this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you find it useful. My aim is that you can take away some really practical tips as well as some inspirational food for thought to help you find the way that works for you in combining and maintaining your ambitious career aspirations whilst looking after your baby or toddler. A very warm welcome, Hannah, to the Leaders with Babies podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. You have been on numerous panels. Do you want to introduce yourself, your job title, your role, your family, and also your biggest learning point as a parent in an ambitious career? Okay, thank you. Well, thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, And congratulations on what you're doing with Leaders Plus. I think it's a a great initiative and and very much needed for a lot of people. I'm Hannah Essex. I'm currently a co-executive director at the British Chambers of Commerce. I share my role with Claire Walker. Um, We've been in partnership for five years, over five years now, five and a half years. We first met when we were working at Teach First, which is where I met you, Farina. And we set up our job share when Claire was doing my maternity cover. Um, and we became partners from my return until now and moved here last September. I've got three children. Um, my stepdaughter's 12 and my boys are five and three. And I didn't know when I got first got pregnant with my first son well, how I was going to return to work. I hadn't really given it any thought beforehand. And Claire fortunately made the suggestion that we should job share. And it's something that I'd heard a lot about, never seen it actually in practice. And it was the thing that gave me the opportunity to continue to pursue my career and to also spend time with my family. I never, I hugely admire women who (laughs) spend, who are full-time mothers. It's it's not something that I think I could do. Um, I'm really like working and I'm really Mm. better as a parent because I work and the job shares allow me to do that. Mm. My biggest, you say my biggest learning? Your biggest learning? I think it's about being organised, actually. I used to sort of just sort of go with the flow a lot more in life. And I've had to become really, really well organised because I'm the part-time parent. So I take on most of the responsibility for organising childcare, alternative arrangements if anything changes, um, school holidays, that kind of thing, uh, what my child needs for school, what my child needs for nursery. Not all, not 100%. Here's my partner's listening. He does, he does a lot <laughs> as well, but I'm you know, primarily responsible for all of that. And that is, doesn't come naturally to me. It's something I've had to work on. Mm. And when you mean, you know, practically being organised, what does that really look like on a day-to-day basis? 
Um, it's having to plan ahead, think ahead. You know, my partner and I both have busy jobs. Sometimes our regular arrangements don't necessarily fit with that. And we have to switch things around. So you have to look ahead and plan for that. Always be checking the endless messages that come from school and seeing if there's anything you should do in response, paying for trips, all that kind of thing. Planning ahead around food and shopping and making sure you're getting a delivery at a time when someone's going to be in the house. Mm. And it's all of that kind of stuff, which you, before I was a parent, I could just pop out to the shop whenever I wanted or I could um, I didn't have to worry about what time I could go to work and what time I could return home from work and so it just sort of it changes the structure of your life I suppose mm. and that has been a big adjustment for me personally because it's not I didn't lead a, a kind of more a structured life beforehand. Mm. Okay and when you were pregnant first mm. time round mm. did you have some sort of a vision or a game plan for your career or how did you see a plan out? <laughs> well, I was horribly sick during my pregnancy. So um, that was my main focus, really. I, d- I didn't really think beyond that. I was, it was pleased to be pregnant. It was something that we didn't, you know, I planned. All I knew was that I was determined that that wouldn't stop me from continuing in my career. And I didn't know how I was going to do that. I, I knew it would be difficult. And I knew that for most women having children means taking some kind of hit on on career progression but I knew that I didn't want to do that Mm. and I got lucky I met Claire well Claire and I already knew each other but we 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 were able to form our partnership and that meant that I have progressed my career while also having young children was a job share the main thing would you say that led to you still being able to be so ambitious or were there other factors as well well I think I had that determination so one way or another I was not going to let I was going to find a way to balance children and my career I had always been very work orientated children sort of the want the need the not the need the desire to have children took me by surprise actually and so career had always been my primary focus so I didn't want to let that go I don't know how I would have made it work without the job share I know I see more people now doing that in communications in particular which is what we were doing at Teach First and large part of what we do now it's very 24 7 you can't predict what day of the week something's going to fall on or happen on. So the idea that I could have gone back to the job that I was doing and do it part time, do it successfully. I didn't know how I was going to make that happen. Mm. Mm. What do you think makes it work between you and Claire? I sometimes mm. see pictures on Twitter of you. I think one of you is sending each other flowers yes. on, on the memorable days and, and so on. But I'm sure it's a lot more <laughs> than, than that. Um, yes. Yeah. We get asked this a lot because I think there are different ways in which job share partnerships come together. So in somewhere like the civil service, for example, quite often it's, you know, there's just an opportunity to people returning from maternity leave at the same time. And have you thought about job sharing or it's, or jobs are, you advertise for a job share partner. So we met one couple when we were setting out on our partnership um, who had, one had recruited for the other and found partners through a recruitment process. But what I think binds us together Claire and I got clicked immediately so we, we first started working together on a project when we were working for two different organizations prior to me joining Teach First and the first time I met her I just felt like she was someone that I wanted in my life and somewhere we ended up working on this joint project and we were coming at this project from quite different perspectives but the way that we were able to work through the tricky stuff and reach a really good outcome you don't always get that it was easy for us mm. and I wouldn't have found it as easy with someone else, I think. So I think what binds us together is our is our, our values. We share values about the way that we approach work, 
the way that we um, manage people and the way that we want to help and encourage and support our people to develop. And we share uh, an ambition for what we want to do both for ourselves and personally in our careers, but also for what we, our ambition for what we want to do here at, at British Chambers of Commerce and what we wanted to do, what we did to do at Teach First. So even though we're quite different people to the point where people sometimes can't really see how it could, you know, meeting isn't different, they can't see how it can work. We're quite different people, but those things bind us together. So even if Claire might approach a particular meeting or a conversation or an event in a, in a different way to me, the outcome that we want from that is the same. And that's why it works. So it sounds a bit like you, it does sound very similar to a relation. Well, it's a relationship, it doesn't it? But it's yeah. kind of, you, we talk about it like a marriage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, is, no, it's exactly, it is exactly that. It's yeah. exactly that. Okay. And, and we you, are very close. I mean, I think, you know, we've met other job share couples and they, they, they are brilliantly successful professionally they don't necessarily have that kind of outside of work relationship that we have, but we are also ridiculously close friends. Mm. So. That's so impressive. Mm. So have you got any advice? I, <laughs> I feel like, you know, one of those um, <laughs> women's magazines column uh, ladies are asking about how to couple up with someone. But um, <laughs> yeah, have you got any advice about how to find someone to join so if someone is on maternity leave they want to have a job share their organization doesn't really do job shares yeah they don't know anyone else well, how to start um well so you can you could persuade your organization to recruit someone for you so mm. i want to return i want to return part-time i want to return as a job sharer will you help me to find a partner i've seen that happen where they've um, recruited in there are a few platforms emerging um there's one called flink that's just launched there are people who are investing in setting up platforms where you can find a job share mm-hmm. match mm-hmm. um in some sectors there are programs specifically set up for that so in education there's the shared headship network which is all about matching and supporting people who are trying to um, job share as head teachers and so there are kind of there are it feels like there are more ways now in which are kind of structured ways of meeting people. Someone else we've just been talking to recently, she's found somebody through her, they've been met when they both had young children um, in their local community. They've gotten really well, they've become really good friends and they're in very similar professions and now they're looking at applying for jobs together. Mm. So it can either happen almost by accident or it can happen, you can be structured and you can be, you can do it in a, you know, structured way, like a recruitment process or something. Mm. And all good and well, you found someone, mm. but then there's your employer who has no experience with job shares. They're generally supportive. Uh, yes. But how do you how, how do you convince an employer or a line manager who has mm. lots on their their priority list? They've got hundreds of deadlines. Mm-hmm. They're really worried about performance in their department, so they don't want to take any risks. How do you convince someone like that to give it a go? I mean, when we set out, we made a business case, and I think the business case is different depending on whether you're already in that organization or whether you are pitching yourself out to a new organization so for our organization we said you've had two people who've both been successful in this role um you would get continuity of the between us i think it was five years experience of leading the department so you'd have that continuity that institutional knowledge that you would retain yes there's an additional cost to it but that's worth it because you will you will get that retention you don't have to spend any time or money on a recruitment process and you also two heads are better than one so between us we brought you know a huge amount of experience lots of different experience that that contributed to our success um, a, a wider network and that ability to be 24 7 which I think and the pace and the momentum that we gave which is very hard to have in a in an individual person Mm. 
And so that was when we were internal, when we were pitching externally. I think when we started looking around, we were a bit too apologetic about the job share. Almost like it was a tricky subject that we had to discuss with people before we could get onto the real stuff about doing the job. And actually, we were much more successful in uh, in getting people interested when we would just pitched it as a real positive. So, like I said, 24-7, pace, momentum, collective experience, a collective network, and in a fast-moving communications role, all of those things are assets. Plus, we did pitch around, you know, if you <laughs> equal pay diversity agenda you know women in leadership is important and actually for a lot of women this is what the only way in which they can continue to progress and balance that with what they the time they want to spend with their families Mm. so I think that was really appealing to to BCC and to our director general and then he wanted to know can we do the job which Thank, you obviously can can. (laughs) (laughs) you didn't think so at the time you have to ask him now whether or not that's true (laughs) That's really interesting. Uh, Fascinating. There's so much I want to ask you. Mm -hmm. Let's dig into the uh, the reason why people say no Mm -hmm. to job shares. What is the most common thing that you've heard when you were job hunting Mm. as a job share partnership? I think what we found was it really challenges people's concepts of leadership. So I think job sharing in a more junior role, people can kind of see that it's sort of, you know, you split the tasks between you and you get on with it. I think people can kind of understand that. But the biggest questions we had were around, how do you manage your relationships? If there's two of you, is that not confusing for people? How do you lead a team when there's two of you? And I think, so the concept of leadership for some people is still individual person, leading from the front, calling the shots, being strong and decisive, I'm thinking, you know, male kind of leadership. Mm. Whereas actually shared leadership is becoming much more common, whether that's a job share or whether that's just leadership teams working more effectively. And great leaders are people who don't know everything, but who draw on the expertise from around them and and collectively work with people to to do the right thing. And so job sharing really plays to that because you've got two people bouncing things around. You're going to reach a better outcome than a single person thinking they have to do everything for themselves. Um, and then obviously we've got our, our team around us that we can draw on as well. But I think for some of the people we had conversations with, they're, they're just their concept of leadership, they couldn't match that with there being two of us. Mm. And, and particularly two of us who, who on the face of it are quite different. But I mean, we've proved that it can work. We've led large teams, we've led smaller teams, we've managed... We're currently managing multiple high-level relationships across Whitehall and beyond and across our network. And honestly, no one's really battered an island about that. There's two of us. We have a joint email address. We and people get what they need out of us. I think that's the thing. If you if you if it was the case that we were saying, I'm sorry, we can't respond to that until Claire's back in, or Hannah's gonna have to deal with that when she's back, then it would feel like a, you know, you feel odd whereas actually because of the way that we work the way we hand over to one another the fact that it doesn't really matter at all whether it's mm. me or Claire people get what they need mm. and no one has to repeat themselves mm. so people don't feel like there are two of us and really that you know I get called Claire all the time because people don't just don't see the difference <laughs> you should have like a, a, 
a joining up of names like they do with the celebrities. Well, we, I wouldn't know how so that works. We will, yeah, no, we could. I mean, it's difficult with my name uh, to join it up with anything. But we, we, we are now Walker Essex. Oh, so when we were at Teach First, we were known as DAC, so Director of Comms. Yeah. So we were just a we were just an acronym. But now we're Walker Essex. Yeah. And in fact, Claire was asked um, recently what name her children have because she's um, hasn't changed her name since she got married. And she said Walker Essex instead of her husband's name. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it's become, it's just, yeah, it's just, that is that is who we are. So people refer to Walker Essex. It doesn't matter if it's Claire or Hannah who responds. It's just, they get, you know, mm. they get what they need from us. And when you were at Teach First, mm. and obviously a fast growing organisation, but in some, to some extent, a little bit traditional, in, you know, with, um, yeah, to some extent a bit traditional as well. How did you have the courage to influence influence them to convince them about the job share did you always you know was it ever a consideration of you not to ask what made you ask I mean I've been there a long time I felt like I was on good you know I had a good a relationship with my boss with the chief executive and I just felt like I mean I had nothing to lose it was the only way that I could see that I could return to the role that I had been in before if they'd said no I'm not sure what would have happened next but we had nothing, I had nothing to lose. And mm. I was pretty, com- I, I don't know, I just come this, um, this blind optimism that I have <laughs> quite often about things. It's like, well, I'm going to ask and what's the worst that can happen? They can say no and then I have to rethink. But because I've been successful in the role, Claire had been successful in the role, I felt like it would land positively. Mm. I didn't, honestly didn't know if it would work or not, but I felt confident I had that optimism that it would. And also it was in our interest to make it work for both of us. This was something we wanted. So we would do whatever it took to make it work. Um, Mm. And if we needed help with that, we would find it. You know, we were, and we had the privilege of being in a senior position. So I had that, you know, the confidence and the connections within the organization to be able to make that request, which other people maybe wouldn't have had. Mm. So there is some, there is definitely a a privilege that comes with being senior where you can be a bit more demanding about things. Mm. It's interesting job shares because it seems to be one of the examples where part-time working is really working in senior roles mm. and for men and women mm. equally who do want to work part-time when their children are very young, which not everybody does and that's mm. totally fine. For those men and women, job share seems to be one of the key ways to make it work. Yeah. So what, what do you, why is it not happening more? I, I think part of the reason why it works is because from the organisation's perspective, there's no days missing. Mm. There's no you know, you've got, you've got someone there all the time. I think that's, that's why sometimes it's seen as preferable to someone who's three days a week, because what do you do with those other two days? Who's going to pick up the slack? What's the impact going to be on the team? What happens if I need something from you and you're not there? I think that can work as well with some adaptions, but I think that's why job sharing is maybe sometimes seen as better in that senior role. Why is it not more common? Well, I think because there's, I think it's changed. I feel like it's changing. I don't know. I, I mean, I know someone who is job sharing in the 80s and so it's not like it's a new concept it's been around for a really long time but it's never really taken off I think now more parents are wanting to work more women are working and having children more men are wanting to spend more time with their children so more men are asking for flexibility which is helping to shift the culture but it's still like I say it's challenging that concept of leadership and I think that is probably the main sticking point I want to pick up on something that you said earlier on, just about the 
practicalities of making mm. it work. And you told me that nobody has to repeat what they're saying. No. Unfortunately, even when I have conversation with people that I, you know, it's only me. Yeah. They have to sometimes repeat what they're saying. So what's the secret? Do you just <laughs> write down every single thing? Yeah. yeah. Do you have like a really good CRM system? Is that the Yes, the we sh- it's on a very practical level. So we share an email inbox. We have a filing system where we will have a folder for things that we think the other person should read, you know, to catch up before they come back into work. Uh, electronic notebook. Um, we put notes in from all of our meetings. We have a handover note, um, which we each update before the other one comes back. And then we tend to have a phone call on a Sunday or at some point over the weekend to talk about anything that's a bit tricky or and especially especially since we've joined BCC where the pace of things happening and the complexity of what's been going on around Brexit and other tricky policy issues it's the kind of thing that's quite difficult to communicate on mm. in writing so we we tend to talk some of that stuff through we try and keep that to a minimum but it ha- is inevitable at the moment and the handover is the hardest bit it's something we've continuously worked on we introduced a new system that we're using for the handover just a few months ago and that seems to be working pretty well and it's different for each of us so Claire has to do a note for me on a Tuesday evening which is usually at the end of a really busy day well she's also got kids running around (laughs) trying to get them to bed I do mine either on a Friday uh, either so that she's got it on a Friday night or so that she's got it on a Sunday evening depending on who's on call over the weekend so we alternate that which is another advantage of job sharing so we have to we do have to work hard on that Mm -hmm. and I think and I was talking to someone about this earlier today I think because like you say, an individual person might forget something or might forget to do something. Something might just slip through the radar or not get done. But I think because we're job sharing, we feel this responsibility. There was the expectation that we, if we let something drop, the job share will be blamed for it rather mm. than just human nature, human mm. error. There have been occasions where there's, there's, you know, few, an email hasn't been responded to or whatever, but that's, everyone does that. Mm. But we try and minimize that because we don't want anyone to think that job sharing doesn't work. And how do you, do you have separate appraisals? Do you have joint appraisals? How does that work? So we're jointly accountable. We have joint accountability. So our KPIs are and our objectives are set, which we're jointly accountable for. We have a joint appraisal around those. And then we have individual professional development conversations and individual target, individual plans around what our professional development is. So some of it will be the same, but some of it might be tailored to, to either one of us. You've had experiences of different job shares and you've mm. grown and had more children through the journey of it. Is there anything that you've learned or any mistakes you've made that you're, means you're doing things slightly differently now? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the handover is a constant project, as a constant continuous improvement project for us. It's making sure that we get it right so that we're minimizing the time that we spend on it and we're getting the most out of it. I think that's that's been the main thing. That's the crux of it, really. Mm. is that that handover piece and obviously hoping it doesn't happen soon but if let's say claire decided to move to australia mm. which would make <laughs> things slightly differently <laughs> um how do you see your future in your, in your career do you see mm. yourself staying in job shares until you retire what, what's your career um, mission so we have we have a kind of we have rules of divorce so when we started out we agreed how we would consciously uncouple if that <laughs> ever became a thing and I mean technically so in our contract here if one of us wants to leave and the other one doesn't then we either have to recruit in another job share partner or go full-time or leave so those are our options I and Claire and I have you know we have a, 
a sense of how long we think this is going to last at the moment it's indefinite but you know we have conversations around the future um, as you do in any relationship I suppose I'm not averse to the idea of finding another job share partner no one because I know she'll be listening to this no one could be anywhere near as good as a match for me as Claire but you know I think it could I think I could make it work with someone else um I don't want to but I think I could at the moment for me especially because I don't live in London I've got quite a commute I this was working perfectly for me and I can see that being the case for quite a long time who knows how I'll feel when my children are a bit older and they're not at home anymore I don't know but certainly for the time being this is this suits me really well fantastic yeah I I have real admiration for you because it's very brave I know you, you say that it's coming and more and more people are doing job share but actually mm. in two organizations it sounds like you've been one of the key pioneers introducing job chairs which will have an impact on people who are further down b- below who may not even be thinking about having children mm. yet but um yeah I think it's very powerful well we've made it a bit of a mission of ours I think we um when we started out doing this I don't think we consciously discussed I think we co- discussed it I just think we knew that this wasn't just about us mm. We've been champions of equality, diversity, inclusion our our lives, our entire lives, really, and, and professionally. We've we've done some made efforts to do things that help organisations to be more inclusive, help people to feel more equal in the workplace. So we've made it a bit of a mission of ours, actually, to spread the word around job sharing, to support people who are thinking about doing it, who are starting out. I, I think we've lost track of the number of people or, or partnerships that we've spent time talking to about how we do things. We've got a pack now that we send to people because we get so many requests for support. I had breakfast this morning with someone who's interested to hear about how we do it. We want to prove that this is can be a completely normal way of working mm. and we shouldn't be exceptional. We should just be part of a mix of people who are full-time part-time job sharing and actually in terms of like just flexibility overall the key cultural shift that I think needs to happen is that people need to be work needs to be and and quality of work and performance at work should be assessed on meeting the outcomes that you're expected to deliver not where you are how many hours you work whether you're full-time part-time, it doesn't matter. If you've been set some objectives and you're meeting those and you're contributing to the organisation's success, it really shouldn't matter. Mm. I think we should move away from even thinking about work as full-time, part-time. Just think about it as what are the outcomes you're going to deliver for this organisation? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And Well, you know this very well, but there's so much evidence that shows that people's are more likely to stay in jobs they're more likely mm-hmm. to be engaged and yeah. so on and so forth if they're managed by outcomes rather than by presenteeism yes um exactly. fantastic and is there anything else that you have at, that you talk to your you know the people who ask you for help in the more early morning conversations and <laughs> lunchtime conversations is there anything else that comes up and that you want to share i think we've covered most of it i mean it's that you know finding the match so if someone who shares value someone who someone who you absolutely see as your equal and now that doesn't mean to say that they're per- you're never going to find someone who's perfect and actually one of the benefits of job sharing huge benefits of it has been the professional development that we've each had from each other mm-hmm. so when you're working that closely with somebody and someone who ha- you have complete trust and honesty with the feedback I've had from Claire or the feedback I've given to Claire or what we've just learned from seeing the other person in action has been the best professional development I've ever had so you have to be, be in a partnership with someone where you, that you have trust and you believe that you are equal and where you are able to resolve as much as you can any kind of challenges or disagreements with each other 
and that you know what to do if you can't do that so what's your back what's your backstop <laughs> shouldn't talk about backstops at the moment <laughs> what's your what's your backup plan who do you go to is it a coach is it your line manager is it a peer like who can help you if you can't resolve stuff between you and checking in with each other constantly checking in on how things are going um so we do a quarterly step back where we look at not just how things are going in our role but how things are going in the way that we're doing things which is where the most recent conversation around handover came up and we looked at actually doing it a bit differently because of the, the, our role has changed being here is, is different so we've had to do that differently oh setting expectations with your colleagues so if it's a new concept if people aren't used to having a job share being clear how it will work and setting that expectation from the start so we had a we had an infographic when we started out at teach first that one of our our lovely team designed for us there was even a spotify playlist that went with it <laughs> um, <laughs> And, you know, for our first team meeting, we talked it through. We regularly checked in with our team about how it was going. Did anyone have any concerns? So that kind of 360 feedback of making sure that it's working from an external perspective as well as from from the partnership. I think that's really important. And, again, the handover, finding ways to make that work really Mm. well. And when you mentioned your team, Mm. do you each line manage different people or do you both line manage them Yes, that was the one bit of advice we had at the start, which was even though we were going to do, you know, pure job share, joint accountability, I describe it as like a relay race. So handing the baton on twice a week. So it's a kind of continuous process rather than splitting projects or splitting, taking different teams on. The one thing we were told is you have to have, it was helpful for an individual to have a, I think it might even be legal for an individual to have a one line manager. So we both meet with all of our direct reports but one of us, um, and we don't really tend to tell people who we're line managing because we don't want anyone to think that it designates a kind of more of a responsibility for policy or press or whatever it happens to be. So we spend more time with the ones that we directly line manage. We're the ones, we do their appraisal, even though the other partner will feed in feedback and comments for that. We're the person they tell if there's something going on outside of work that we should be aware of, if they're not well, if they're, you know, they've got or if they want to talk specifically around their professional development or anything like that. So they've got their designated line manager, but because we jointly are accountable for the activity, we also check in with the others so that we're fully across all of the activity that's going on. Mm, fantastic. You're someone who has has been campaigning and driving forward job shares a fair amount. Do you feel that it would work in every single organisation or do you think there are some organisations or some type of jobs where it just wouldn't work? I'm yet to find a job where it can't work. Mm. I think you could have, and I know there was a um, Caroline Lucas and other people looked into this. I think you could have job share MPs. I think you'd have job share prime minister. You'd have to figure out the nuclear button thing. <laughs> but I think, <laughs> depending on which day of the week it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yet to I'm yet to find a job which couldn't be job shared. Mm. Yeah, because actually, comms is probably one of the most time sensitive one, isn't it? Mm. And and you really yeah. you can't afford not to get back to someone within the relevant time frame so yeah. the fact that you're making it work is a mm. very powerful sign that it can probably be made to work in a very very big range of environments so there's a great example of that actually last uh, couple of weekends ago uh, i'd been on obviously working on the friday i do wednesday to friday i'd been in friday something had happened we discussed internally what our messaging was going to be around it what line we were going to take and then the next day Claire was invited on to BBC News to do an interview about it and it was her, she was her well we were invited BCC was invited to an interview it was Claire's weekend to be on call 
so even though she hadn't been in that discussion on Friday, I phoned her, I gave her a briefing, we ran through some of the possible questions, what she would say in response, and then she went ahead and did the interview. Fantastic. Um, so, you know, it you have to put the effort in, but it can work. Mm, amazing. Mm. I also want to pick up on the topic of guilt. Um, mm. As you know, I always ask you this when I see you, <laughs> because, so you've obviously spoken at our panel event as part yeah. of the Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme, which is a nine-month programme to support leaders with young children to continue to progress. And you you mentioned that you don't feel guilty, and but previously, uh, uh, just just to challenge you on this, previously also you said you did feel a bit apologetic for asking for job sharing. Can you just tell me a bit more about how your thinking of around guilt and and apologising has yeah. evolved? How you feel now? How you how you felt before? So just on the job share front, I think when we started out, we yeah we we felt like we had to over explain ourselves on the job share front. I think what changed was it just become a lot, we became a lot more confident. We're like, we know this works and we know there are huge benefits and we're just going to sell those benefits rather than sort of worry about the the negatives. On the, the parenting guilt front, I am a better parent because I work. And so it, I fundamentally believe it is good for my children that I go out and I work and I do something that I find fulfilling and challenging and enjoyable and when I go home, I am then, I think, a better parent. I did not particularly enjoy being on maternity leave. On my second maternity leave, I did a lot more. I'm a vice chair of the Girls Network as well as um, as a volunteer, as a charity that provides mentoring to girls from disadvantaged backgrounds. And I did quite a bit of work as a trustee during that year because I needed something that was getting my brain going and that wasn't children and it was never an option for me to not work. So I think I found a way of doing it where I get the best of both worlds and where my children are happy. They're well looked after. We've got excellent family support. We're very lucky. They're in brilliant nursery and a great school. I don't feel, they feel like I've got anything to feel guilty about. It's sometimes there are things that happen and I can't be there. Like a, the school puts on breakfast and things where parents can go in or there's, you know, don't know something's or someone's ill and I'm up in different part of the country which has happened before but I'm not abandoning them they're with their father or their grandparents and they're being loved and looked after so I don't I don't feel guilty mm, I love that I think that's so inspiring and the best piece of advice I've heard recently is just uh, well you were at the event where yes. it was shared about just owning where you are and yeah. not regretting that you're you know you just can't be in, in all no. different places and as you say, there, there are actually there's hard scientific evidence that, especially for girls, some of the outcomes are much better if mm. if the mother works. So we just don't need to feel guilty about. But yeah. sometimes it just takes a while to evolve yes. um, from that guilt, and yeah. and it's okay to yeah. feel it at times. Yeah. Um, but that's that's not to say that I'm nailing it in any way, shape, or form. I am absolutely not. <laughs> there are there are there are things that I wish I could do better as a parent. Or my my approach to life admin is appalling. Um, <laughs> it's real struggle for me to keep a grip on on everything especially with work at the moment and everything that's going on so I'm not nailing it by any stretch this is not to say that I'm you know parent of the year I'm I'm not but in terms of how I feel I don't feel guilty Mm -hmm. I feel like I've got a good balance I feel like I'm very lucky to be able to have that brilliant and you mentioned about grandparents nursery Mm -hmm. and schools on the day where you do work you work Mm -hmm. very long hours sometimes don't Mm -hmm. you how do you make that work? Is it is it a case of your husband and you 
juggling or, or what, what's I'm very lucky and I think this is you know particularly I don't I don't live close to my, it's an hour and a half commute for me so I have uh Wednesday morning my partner drops the kids off at nursery and then school nursery and school are like doors away five doors away from each other so we've, that's really helpful Wednesday afternoon once a set of grandparents will pick them up um and we'll also drop them off the next morning Thursday evening my son nursery's up till six o'clock and my son's after school club goes till six as well so at some point around five half five my partner picks them up he does the drop off on Friday morning and he does the pick up on Friday afternoon so he gets the bulk of the picking and up and the dropping off on the days that I'm working but he doesn't have to worry about any of that on a Monday Tuesday so hopefully he thinks it balances out um <laughs> but sometimes that has to change so sometimes um we're you know people for I ask there's one of the people from nursery and they sometimes have to pick up in the morning or you know be at home with the with the kids and, and take them actually no Wednesday morning got a friend takes my son in school so yeah so Nick drops off at the uh nursery and then a friend comes to the house and stays with Joshie and then takes him into school so yeah we've got a mix a mix of care friends grandparents partner and occasionally I'll have to I'll, I'll have to mix things around so I'll maybe work from home on a Friday if he's away or if he's got other stuff going because his job's you know he's full on mm. as well so it sounds like a very complex puzzle. It, and school holidays, oh. um, that is something else. <laughs> that's, that's like, there's a whole schedule that I had to do months in advance. I had to get, you know, bids in from the grandparents as to what they were prepared to do and on which days. I had to book in childcare club at the school. Um, had to negotiate around which days off each of us were taking in order to fill in the gaps. Yeah, I mean, that was a task. In so, so is there something that you've learned about the practicalities of scheduling childcare so that you can fulfill a very senior job or is it just an ongoing an ongoing learning experience um well I set it I, set, I think I set it up from the start when I went back and into the job share had conversations with our parents we're really lucky we've both got our parents around and, and they are happy and I think certainly willing to support us still quite a lot so a conversation with them about what they were prepared to do um conversations around what we could each do ourselves and then filling in any gaps and and you know the school we've chosen um has a really good after school club so we're really lucky with that so that was that was a change actually so we had it all set up for nursery and then we had the school change that's where I had to ask a friend to do the Wednesday morning drop-off so yeah you just have to when anything changes you have to just think about what the alternatives are I've said to my parents and and Nick's parents you know at any point if you feel like you can't do this anymore they're all in almost all of them in their 70s that's fine if you give me enough notice we'll make alternative arrangements we had the children we're responsible for looking after them um we're really grateful for what you do but it's not on you to Mm. do that if you feel like you can't so yeah that's an ongoing conversation i think that's a really important message as a society more generally because Mm. sometimes we put a lot of demand also on our grandparents uh, or on our parents especially our mothers which then kind of shifts the gender inequality but yeah, it sounds like my, you're having a very empowered relationship with your parents who are caring for your children yeah and my mom's already um she's still looking after her mother who's 99 in october wow um so she's got you know the three generations <laughs> <laughs> she still lives after me as well so she, she's got three she sounds like a superstar she is a superstar yes <laughs> no, we all of them are, we're very lucky but it's you know it takes a village and you either even though our families don't live in our town they are our our village and my sister does stuff for us sometimes as well and if you don't have that family support and I also you know I've built a network of people 
so we've, I have got friends I can call on. I have got people I can, who will take my son to school if, if we can't or if, mm. if my partner can't. I do have people who in an emergency would go and pick up my children and get them yeah. back to their house. And I think actually one of the best things about having kids, um, that's not true. It, one of the really good things about having kids, I wouldn't say, um, is that you know, I've, I've moved around quite a lot as an adult, lived in lots of different parts of London. I've lived in um, Hove and Brighton and, and then moved to where we are now. And having kids has allowed me to meet so many people mm. that I think it's as an adult, it's quite hard to make friends in a new location. But when you've got a child, it's actually gives you an excuse to talk to somebody and you find people you like and then you mm. arrange to meet up with them and suddenly you've got this I've got this amazing network of friends and um, and we all help each other out where we can yeah and actually you get a lot more of a diverse network of friends don't you mm. rather than just your usual comms or from your charity yeah uh, I mean network. I, so I someone I have known now for a, a year asked me what, what I do for a living the other day because that's not what we talk about you know we, we talk about other things and it doesn't really matter that does that bit life doesn't mm. really matter it's it's this it's just another part of my life it's quite mm. it's really nice exactly so if you're listening to this and you're currently on share parental or, or adoption or maternity leave it's really worthwhile at this mm. point to invest in those local relationships because they're going to save your life absolutely when when your children are a bit older and you need some emergency emergency help which you will at some point for oh, sure yeah. <laughs> i think the empowering thing about that is that you are still you know, you got promoted during that time to a, uh, you're, you're responsible for communications and lots of other things for, or what did you tell me, 56 countries with the British Chambers of Commerce? Yes. Yeah, so like a really yeah. senior role. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure it's a lot more than that, but that's the lay <laughs> version. of it. And, and at the same time, you have young, you know, you you had all these really challenging times and, and yeah. it, it does pass in the end. I think it's important. Every, yeah, everything's a phase and some phase, I mean, the moment things are, my three years been quite challenging with some of his behaviors it's quite nice to come to work actually it's even nicer than usual to come to work and not have to deal with that but everything's a phase there's no normal with parenting it's just what's happening right now and dealing with what's happening right now because it will change in a few weeks or a few months and people get sick and behavior changes and you go through these new things like starting school or moving class or whatever it happens to be and there is no settling into normal it's just it's always changing and you just have to kind of roll with it and get the support that you need at that time and and that's actually one of the great things about the job share as well is that Claire and I rarely find ourselves having those challenging times at the same time mm. so there's always the other person to just morally with moral support boost you up and pick you up again but also if necessary pick up some of the, the slack because if you're just not at your best you're not at your best mm. and we can work that out between us mm. absolutely and so to finish off i want to ask you what your favorite job share moment was i'm sure you have many oh my goodness favorite job share moment i think getting this job I mean just the, the fact that we were able to move was it was such a hard slog and the just such a, a you know success for us having managed to persuade people that, that this could work and and that, that Adam and the board agreed to that there's been some memorable moments so I remember very clearly remember being on a train on the way to Leeds while Claire was at home with chickenpox children and we'd been given 24 hours to rewrite our departmental restructure 
with a 10% reduction <laughs> between us, we managed to do that while I was on the train and she had children with chicken pox. Wow. And neither of us, I think, could have done that on our own at that time because of what we were, I was on the way to meet um, host Secretary of State and she was at home with chicken pox. And there's been a few few moments like that, which have been memorable. That's such a fun, I've got a picture of, of that in my <laughs> mind now. That's such a fantastic moment. Yeah. So thank you so much, Hannah, for You're your time. Welcome. I really appreciate it. I've learned a lot today and I hope the listeners found it useful as well. If you did enjoy today's conversation and you're passionate about supporting leaders with young children and want to engage with the topics that we discussed today, you can help us by rating us on the platform where you're listening to the podcast. It would be wonderful to have a five-star rating from you. And also if you share it with any friends that you think could benefit from Hannah's wisdom and uh, experiences. And of course, if you have ideas for guests or want to contribute to the conversations, then definitely get in touch with me via Twitter on at leaders underscore plus, or you can also send me an email at office at leadersplus.org.uk or obviously check out the website on www.leadersplus.org.uk. Hannah, you're also on uh, online in lots of different shapes or forms. Do you want to share how people can get in touch with you? Uh, so we're on Twitter. Oh, you're testing me now. I think it's at Walker underscore Essex. And you can find us both individually on LinkedIn. Not yet doing job share profiles on LinkedIn, but hopefully that will come. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, welcome. look forward to continuing the conversation at another point. Lovely talking to you. Thank you.